This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grenell of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. High above Husky Stadium and the visiting coach's booth, which is about the 50-yard line, where Washington defeated Washington State 24-21 in front of an announced sellout crowd of 71,300. It looks like 10. They always cut the last number off for us, but um, another way to win. It wasn't pretty. It uh, wasn't easy. And, uh, hey, they came out with a win, so you just take it. Do we? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, yeah, I don't think because of anything that we say, they're going to change the score. But yeah, you, there, there's no question what you said in terms of finding another way to win was 100 percent right on. Um, you know, I keep thinking of the analogy of going into the deep water, and you know, when you talk about a team that is the first Pac-12 team to ever go through an entire conference schedule unbeaten, 12 and 0 for only the second time in school history. The kind of deep water that this team's gone through, and especially the last half of the season, is pretty unprecedented. And while they're in there and they're feeling comfortable, you can kind of tell the teams around them are not necessarily as comfortable. Well, I talk about you know finding another way to win. Maybe that's not true because when you take a look at the last seven games, in the fourth quarter, in the last seven games, a total of 24 points is all they've allowed. So they're winning that way. And in the last um, four games, they've only allowed 10 fourth quarter points. And that's pretty damn consistent on the defense in the fourth quarter. And Scott pointed this out to me, too. This is the second game in a row where they won a game by three points or less, but they never trailed. Mm-hmm. And as I, as I tweeted out right after the game, this is the fourth straight game, guys, where the opponent that they just played the week before, they scored at least 50 points. That will, you'll never see that again. That will never happen. So the kind of obstacles that this team has had to overcome, and, and we're just getting started with this because now they're having to go play a team they just played earlier in the season for the second time to get in the playoff, which is something no other team in America is going to have to do. It just the hits keep on coming. Yeah, just pregame sidelines, busy sidelines, not only during the game, but uh, pregame lots of recruits. <coughs> National uh, League Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell was there. Jermaine Curse, I saw. Um, I saw, um, I believe I saw Travis Feeney. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Tolar. <coughs> Ryan Tolar, he's so, back at Kennewick. Yeah. It was Sione good to see Ryan. Potoai. Yeah, no, he looked uh, a little bit different, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he right here, Alameda Ta'amu was there as well. I saw Alameda, yeah. You know, Alameda looks like he could still play. Uh, I asked him, I said, uh, you know, could you give it Could you give it three more plays? He goes, I'm so out of shape. I said, it's Wazoo. He goes, oh, yeah, then. Okay, yeah. okay. So it's good to see Alameda. He looks the same, by the way. So uh, Jermaine Curse. You already mentioned him, yeah. Jermaine Curse mm-hmm. was there. So uh, a lot of recruits on the sidelines too, Scott. Give, it, give it, uh, people a little bit of a taste on who you saw. Yeah, two commits to other schools for 2024. Aaron Butler, a wide receiver from Calabasas. And then 
uh, Calabasas, California, and then a um, guy by the name of Paul Menke, who is from is a safety prospect from uh, Texas. He's committed to Duke. And big, by the way. Yeah, he's tall. tall. He's tall, but he's he's very narrow. So and he, and he took an official visit this summer, right? No, he did not. Oh, okay. I, I thought he, was he did. scheduled for one. Okay. And I thought he took one, but I then I remembered I looked at the, our our text exchange right. to see if he was still going to make it, even though he committed. And he gotcha. said, "I don't feel right about that." Committing and then immediately going to see another is, school. Is, so. it, is it fair to say body type like Asa Turner? Um, Ace is a little wider. Um, I'm trying to think who else he kind of reminds me of. I mean, he's kind of got that height though. He's about six three, and uh, a legit six three, and um, maybe like 190 pounds. You so. mentioned Feeney. Is he? Is he anything like Feeney? Feeney had wider shoulders. This okay. guy, this guy's shoulders aren't that wide, but still a, an impressive looking guy, and and I think someone that um, is. I, I don't want to say he's not a take for Washington, but he's. I think he's a borderline take guy. So we'll have to wait and see how things kind of play out over the next couple of weeks. And now they're one scholarship lighter. We can talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. a little bit later. With with Grady Gross, yes. yeah, yeah, but Grady's done. No, he's not. He's a sophomore. Grady just started, Kim. Oh, I thought true he was sophomore. Done. No, true sophomore. Why would they put him on scholarship if he was done? Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. been a long time. He day. was a true freshman last year, so he's still got at least one more year, if not two. How many yeah. Coors Lights have you had tonight? Just one. Okay. Just checking. Three quarters yeah. of one. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, that's, that's one of the big news items of the day is that right after the game in the locker room, Grady Gross got put on scholarship. When only half the team was in there. I, we can talk about that post-game a little bit later, but uh, good for Grady. He's a good kid. So. Fantastic. You'll never forget this day, ever. Yeah. yeah, first quarter, you know, Washington comes out on offense, and uh, same old, same old, what we've been seeing the last four or five weeks. So, yeah, couldn't get anything started right away, but then uh, are able to get going on their second drive, but then they sputter again. It, it's this offense is just weird right now. They're, they show signs of life, and you're like, all right, they're starting to get on track. And then the next one, next drive, they can't do anything. The, exe- the execution out. piece weird. is weird. Very the execution weird. piece I don't know weird. if this is true or not, but Softy said uh, the last 10 passes to uh, Jalen Polk, he's 0 for 10. That wouldn't surprise me that that's close. I mean, that doesn't that isn't all on drops on Jalen Polk's part. You know, yeah. Some of them are overthrows or things like that. But, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that's, that's what the – the, the case, especially Softy wouldn't put that out if he didn't have verification on that. The Michael Penix we saw in the Oregon game and before the Oregon game and the Michael Penix we've seen lately, and last week I'll throw that out the window because the weather was just so mm-hmm. bad, but the Michael Penix we're seeing today, I mean, it doesn't even compare to what we've seen in the past. No, no. I mean, the USC game is the closest he's come to looking like the guy we're used to. and uh, Especially in a head-to-head battle. Yeah, and that guy had was going up against a I mean, Washington State's defense isn't very good, but it's better than USC's. And yeah. he was able to just kind of do his thing, and, and they also handed the ball off to to uh, Dylan Johnson in that game. And in this one, Washington State was bringing the house almost every play. Especially in like, the second half. Oh, my gosh. There yeah. was just It was like, they're not gonna, you're going to have to figure this out because they were not able to block all the guys that Washington State was sending. I'll say that even if Washington does end up beating Oregon <laughs> – Next Friday in the Pac-12 title game, and all, and they make it to the playoff, and all those things. I still think, based on what Bo Nix did and Jalen Daniels did this weekend, respectively, it's very, very difficult to see Michael Penix keeping up because he didn't keep up today. No, 
No, I, I mean, if this offense that we've seen the last four or five weeks shows up down in Las Vegas... It's gonna, not going to be pretty. Well, well I'm sure we'll have plenty of things to say about that later. But my point being is that just based on this weekend's projections, it feels like Knicks and Jaden Daniels have really separated themselves yep. from the players like Michael Penix, for instance. But I guarantee you at the end of the day, Michael Penix will still take the win over all of it because that's what it matters because at the end of the day, he's the quarterback of one of the two, you know, uh, the two winningest teams in, in program history. Yeah, just what I saw, you know, from Michael today, uh, I didn't see his accuracy. Um, I didn't see him where we've seen him more recently lately where, you know, on scrambles where he's had room to run. He would take that, and he wasn't today. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking on the um, – on the play uh, on the offsides where he just threw it out of bounds because he was going to get hit. Yeah. yeah, that's the whole reason why Kalen DeBoer was was basically had an absolute conniption. Probably the angriest I've seen him on the sideline all year. Did you hear what he said? The ref said. Well, yeah, <laughs> he said Kalen DeBoer said it's the first time he's ever seen anything like that, and the official said it's the first time he'd ever seen anything like that. Which tells you there's a reason why you have never seen anything like they, that before. They really should have called the play dead. Yes. Sure, sure, it was illegal grounding if there wasn't an offsides. But call. there's a reason why but he got the rid of the ball. The guy was unabated to the quarterback, and yes. he was going to belt uh, DeBoer. Or yeah. I'm sorry, Penix. Uh, <laughs> I'll yeah. tell you, if he belt, belts DeBoer, that's a whole different penalty. But yeah, yeah, Jalen Polk struggled today. Yeah, I don't know he what's did. going. On. I don't know what's going on with Jalen Polk. No. I, but going back to Penix real quick, guys, I, it just seems to me that it's all fastballs right now. It's like it doesn't feel like there's any touch to the game. Like, you know, even the play down to Jack Westover on that final drive, it took a really good catch by Jack Westover on a play that I guarantee you Ryan Grubb would tell us they run that a hundred times if they if they want it once. And not just that, if he puts that on him instead of so far out in front of him that he has to dive for and, it. And there was one, I think, in the first half yeah. where if he, if, he just, if he just puts a little bit of, of air under it, He's running free, crossing under the under the, the DBs. Mm-hmm. He he could probably get at least another five to ten yards. But we saw it time and time again where there's no changeup now. It just feels like it's all fastballs, mm-hmm. and it almost feels like he's. It's like getting into his mind. It feels like he has to throw it hard to fit a window because maybe he thinks he's late, on, or or not throwing. But even when he throws with anticipation, it feels like it's nothing but fastballs. <coughs> No, I just saw some throws that he would normally make that he didn't make. I mean, he made a beautiful 40-yard touchdown pass to Romo Dunsey in the um, in the uh, second quarter. But, you know, and Romo's getting mugged as well. But that just seems to be he's getting ready for the NFL because he's going to get mugged on every play. Yep, yep. I mean, he, he Rome had a great day. Um, it was good to see Jalen McMillan, too, get, get – uh, First catch that he'd made since uh, week three. They said Michigan State. Yeah, the Michigan State game. So, um, you know, Washington needed needed to get him involved. You know, we'll see if they if they can figure out a way because he just makes. I mean, that's three NFL wide receivers that you've got running routes out there, um, and they've got to figure out a way to get those guys on track because if they can. It makes the, it makes defending the Huskies so much harder. Is it a little strange? I don't know if you guys noticed this, especially in the first uh, first half. But there were some penalties. There was a pass interference and holding, where it just seemed like the play was over. And then there was a long pause, and then the flags came up. Well, they, they were horrible for both sides. Yeah, I mean, I don't only the like the roughing call at the very end, the last drive for Washington, where there's a roughing call, I think on on Stone. I'm sorry, but that's it's basically one step. 
And if that had been called on a Washington player, I guarantee our boards would have. No, he hit him in the shoulder. And even Penix says, you know, after the game, he didn't get hit in the head. Um, But if that had been called, if that had been called on one of Washington's edge players, for instance, board would have melted down in that in that moment at that time and place in the game. So you know those things for for sure. But again, just even going back to that call on the side with the grounding and all that, it's like just. Think about it logically. I mean, you look at that side judge when he's talking to DeBoer. He looks completely lost. Like, he doesn't understand what DeBoer's trying to explain to him at all. Like, he's like he's a dog trying to be taught a card trick. I mean, it, literally. He just looked like there was a nice house, but nobody was home. And, it was, and they had a few moments like that tonight. Yeah, I just wonder where the Pac-12 officials are going to be working next year. Hopefully, not in the Big Ten. Mountain West. <laughs> yeah, probably. But uh, you know, another unique thing we could talk about Grady Gross's field goal to win the game a little bit later. But the one he made uh, was forty-two, but he missed one early. You know, in the sec in the first first half, he missed one from forty-three. Yeah. Yeah. And it was <clears throat> to the east end of the end zone or east end of the field, and. Pre-game, I had watched him, and he was pushing every. He wasn't able to draw anything like he usually does. Yeah. It was it was just pushing it to the right, and so when he was doing the kick, I should have said it right before it happened, but you know I didn't think about it, and then he, it goes wide right, and I was like, "Yep, that's exactly what he was doing in warmups." But if you notice the last two kicks, including the one right as they call timeout at the end of the game, right? He, no, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't play a draw at all. Nope. He was just. Boom, split the middle, split the middle. Just do it like you do it every day in practice. Yeah, no, um, the, I was just kind of stunned that he missed that because it, uh, one of, probably one out of his last five field goals. I mean, he was money earlier in the year, but he seems to have been struggling a little bit lately. Well, I mean, again, at Oregon State, given those conditions, you know, and it's unfortunate because he had the exact same situation on the miss at Oregon State where he made it. Yeah. The kick before, but then that draw that came in that you know didn't happen tonight in the first half didn't happen again in that what was that the third quarter was on the pick the Jabbar Muhammad pick yeah and then they should have had they should have had points on that and didn't come away with anything that could have been a very crucial point in that game at Oregon State but um, again for for a guy like Grady Gross and all the things that that Kalen DeBoer said post game about him and how the the team loves him up and and really trusts him to make those key kicks and. He's been, you know, he knows he's missed a couple this year, but to be honest with you, given what Peyton Henry brought to this team the last few years, did it really feel like there was that much drop-off with Grady Gross, especially as a walk-on kicker? I don't think so, in my opinion. So putting him on scholarship seemed to be a pretty obvious thing, and we'd been talking about it for a while. Cam Ward set the tone early. Those little quick outs, Washington had no answer for Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were tough. Well, there's, and, and there might be a reason why they, they didn't were running, have an answer. Well, those weren't quick outs, so those were quick slants. Well, and they but were the running, passes to the outside. Yeah, the passes to the outside. I mean, they were running uh, pick routes on yeah, everything. They were running rub routes on almost everything, and yeah. they could have easily been called on pass interference a few times. It almost reminded me of Oregon with Reggie Williams, where they just throw it over to Reggie, you know, and he'd get 10, 15 yards a chunk. Yeah, but that wasn't on a pick play. That was literally him taking the ball and making guys miss or running over guys, and this was literally a guy running right into a Husky defensive back. They didn't call it once, did they? Nope, Nope. they did not. Didn't call one of them. And it was right in front of the ref every time. And the other thing, it was most of them were right in front of the Washington State sideline. Yeah. So I don't know if that influenced things at all, but it could have. 
Yeah, another thing uh, too, just, I'm focusing my camera a lot of the time and I'm on the quarterback, but I can see Braylon Trice. It's unbelievable how many pictures I have with arms up around that guy's neck. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. No, they could have been called, they, they were they were called for holding quite a bit tonight, the Washington State guys. They could have been called, they, they could have been called most plays. Yeah. I mean, most plays where there was a legitimate, like when Cam, Cameron Ward was going back on like, you know, three and five step drops out of the shotgun, there were times where, yeah, I mean, almost every single drop back like that, you could have called something. And that, and that guy's elusive and he's tough to bring down. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I know Chuck Morell talked about him earlier, comparing him to Cam, uh, to, to uh, Williams. And, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little hyperbolic, but it's not that far off. I mean, Williams is obviously a Heisman Trophy winner, so it's like – but at the same time, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams out there. If, if Cam Ward decides to go somewhere else as a, as a, as a grad guy, there are going to be a lot of teams out there that are going to want that guy just because of his experience. Is he 230? No, I don't think he's that big. He might, he might be 210, 215. He's listed at 223. He ain't small. No, no, no. Not He's small bigger than at all. Dylan Johnson. Yeah. I mean, Penix is 213. So. Mm. They all, it was 6'3, 213. Penix is 6'3, 213, and Ward's 6'2, 223. Yeah. Okay. 6'1 half does the other, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, but just watching Braylon Trice sometimes, and even though the sack numbers aren't there this year. He's an All-American. I mean, the dis- he's causing so much disruption. And I'll tell you what, he was the only one that had a false start today. I'm going to give big ups to Voitanufi. He cleaned his act up no, big time. Zion time. had one, too. Well, that's right. Zion did have one, too. But I'm saying as far as the interior, like, like, Zion, like Voit played a ton inside. But even guys like the young guys, like Jacob Lane played a ton today. Um, they didn't break out Thule until the fourth quarter. It was almost Last like drive. yeah. It almost felt like the kind of I told you, Scott, in this one. I felt like it was a break glass in case of emergency type situation. And he came in. He made an impact. He made an impact right away. They they called a holding penalty in the inside and uh, really kind of put them behind the chains early in that series. I know you guys hate it when I ask you questions you may not know the answer to. Jacob Lane burned his red shirt today. Yes. Yeah, but I thought he did. Oh, it no, earlier. no, that was fourth. That uh, was just his fourth game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think yeah. So he's good. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And no, Giles Jackson, so he's good. He did not suit. Yeah, he didn't even. Yeah, he didn't play. And uh, Jalen McMillan, um, does he look one hundred percent? He looked a lot better today than he didn't have that honk and brace on his knee yeah. like he did at Oregon State. I will say he still doesn't look quite as explosive as we were used. Still, to seeing. still wondering about Cam Fab because I don't, I don't think I saw him out there today. No. He, Mikkel, Mikkel, he warmed up, but he, yeah. And Mikel Estine in his in his place did a wonderful job. I thought not just the pick. And, and, and the tip from Elijah Jackson. But I thought overall he just stepped up and made some big plays. And, and again, I know everyone's going to be really critical of, of Dom Hampton with the leaping thing and, and just all that stuff. But, boy, he made that third down stop when they needed it late in the game. He came up pretty big, too. So that, that was a senior play. I haven't had a chance to look at the message boards or the, uh, or Twitter at all, so I might text Jim Moore a little bit later. So And just one complaint, University of Washington, I asked, 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 asked. Not to take the scoreboard, uh, turn the scoreboard off. They turned the scoreboard off, so I wanted a picture of the scoreboard, and they turned it off again early, like right after the game. So, what are you going to do? Anyways, I asked them to turn it back on. 
You're gonna have to get one, I guess, for your DVR copy. Yeah. So, anyways, I'll, I'll see if Moni got one. So, uh, second half, uh, you know, come out. Hopefully, you're gonna see some second half adjustments. And on the second play, pass to Jalen Polk, where he just basically had it taken away from him for an interception. Well, it wasn't Penix's best pass, but. I think it's a, basically a 50-50 ball, and Jalen Polk needs to go up and make that Well, catch. on a 50-50 ball with Jalen Polk, that's a 70-30 ball. Well, plus, plus as they're supposed to be takers, yeah. this, is, this is their whole thing. J- you know, Jamarcus Shepard's going to look at that play and go, where's the taking? Mm-hmm. They need to be takers. So Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know what's going on with Jalen Polk. So, you know, and if we ask, probably not going get to a, get a full answer on that. But Well, again, I mean – Football's a confidence game. Most sports are a confidence game, and it's a they're momentum games. You know, it's not it, – it's, again, it's like Jalen McMillan had a much better game than he did at Oregon State. A lot of conditions factored into that. But he's getting back into it, and he's starting to build his confidence. I expect him to have an even better, more impactful game on Friday against Oregon because he's going to be playing a little more confidence. He's going to be playing a little healthier. He's going to be feeling better about his knee and his legs. So I, I just think that these things kind of build on each other, and I'm not saying that Jalen Polk's all of a sudden going to come out and have a hundred yard receiving game uh, next he's Friday. Of that, but he's you know. yeah, he's absolutely capable of it because we've seen it. We've seen it tons of times. Yeah, Odunzi again with another uh, touchdown pass, and was that third, uh, on his second touchdown pass. Well, Scott talked about it. The holding. I mean, it's just. I mean, did you talked about? It. I mean, it's it's just stupid, Kim. How literally every time he goes down the field, it's almost like the DB coaches for the other teams are like, "We'll just take the fifteen yards. We'll be more than happy with that." He caught it and fell into the end zone. Yeah, yeah. and the guy was look, he was holding him, but he was right there. I don't, I still don't know how they completed the pass. I takers, but yeah, do what you're gonna. He's do. the ultimate taker. Yep. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, for those who didn't get a chance to listen to the radio, Elise Woodward was not working today. Her yeah. son was uh, playing in a semifinal football game, and you get a chance to do that with family. You know, that, that's big. So Softy was on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what do you think Softy's like on the sidelines? A little, a little erratic? <laughs> He's a little bit of a wreck. So, yeah, it was fun to have Softy down there and on uh, Washington State's last possession on that uh, third and one. He just said, here's the season right here. Yeah. Yeah. Who made, who made that stop on the third and one? Uh, third and one? Hold on. Which third and one are we talking about? The last Tim? one. The very last one? The yeah. fourth quarter. You're talking about yeah. the, on Washington State's possession. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was basically... I mean, they didn't get it. 
on fourth down. No, it was fourth and one, not third and one. It was fourth. No, and well, one. their last their last possession, of the punted. fourth down was fourth and eleven. Before that, and that's when they punted. Third and yeah. eleven is when they passed. No, they tried was, to pass it, it to victory. I think it was earlier in the quarter. Yeah. So. No, I mean there was there was definitely some third third and shorts on the on the drive before. Um, you know, they had like a third and three where they were able to, you know, they had an incomplete pass, but then on fourth and three, that's when they were able to get a pass for 11 yards to extend the drive. But, you know, that's, again, you got to remember, that's when the, that was the play where the field goal got eventually turned into a touchdown because of the leaping call. Yeah, well, just real quick before we get to that, uh, Jack Westover bailed, bailing out Michael Penix again. I mean, yeah, we've a, talked about that he already. Had a of, he had a hell of, yeah, the ADD's kicking. Mm-hmm. We talked about, yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the um, the field goal attempt, uh, not good. You're talking about the for missed, Wazoo? Yeah, the missed Well, it was 50 goal. yards. It, was not, it didn't even have the length. No, and, and, and it pushed it to the right. Yeah, and it wasn't like there was wind or anything. So that, no. that, that was not a problem. He, that literally, if you had never seen that kid kick before, and I, he's a pretty good kicker from what I've seen in the past. That was outside his range. I mean, he couldn't kick it 50 yards in those conditions. And like I said, I don't think the wind was a factor. Um, if you just looked up at the flag in the east uh, end zone, it was negligible at best. So, yeah, just not not a great call, I think, in the end because I think they thought he could get something there and he couldn't. Yeah, and that was on Dom Hampton. Um, he's got it on the on the missed kick. Okay. On the um, on the leaping call. On the leaping call. That's, no, it wasn't a missed kick. He, yeah. he made that field goal. Yeah, that's on Dom Hampton, and he's got to know better than that. Um, well, it's not just that. He's the one that um, you know. He's the one that when they completed the pass to Lincoln Victor. Completely whiffed at the what? About oh, on the, the touchdown, player, on the touchdown play. Yeah, yeah, the touchdown play. Yeah, it's just like, dude, seriously. Yeah. That was that was a completely forgettable series for him, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But like I said, I think he really helped himself a lot and redeemed himself on that on that third down where he was able to kind of help break that play up and then force the punt for Washington State, where it got washed in deep, like roughly around the what about ten yard line, mm-hmm. and that's where the final drive began for Washington. Yeah, you know, and then we get into this uh, the last series where Washington gets the ball back on their 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you think they were going to go for it on fourth down? Well, the board certainly said. Well, I'll tell you what, the, this is the, we're actually, sorry, the play actually is happening on the TV right behind I couldn't us. tell what happened. Yeah. This is the first time I'm seeing so, it. So, um, but basically, when they came on for the, the punt, I was like, I bet you they try to draw them off sides. Right, and if they can't, then they call timeout and then they punt it. And I it was pretty obvious when do. Dylan Morris comes out. It's yeah. Like, yeah, you're usually not on the shield. Yeah. So yeah, that was pretty. So and then, but then he then he sends out the offense, and I'm like, yeah. wow, okay, this is it. This, and Chris said it. This is the season. Now it isn't necessarily the season, but it's basically if you don't get it, you're you're, hand- you're this to me. Yeah. It, to me, it was completely similar. To when Dan Lanning called that fourth down play deep in their own territory at the end of the game last, last year, year against at Washington. Oregon against yeah. Washington. And when they their guy slipped up, Ulufosio probably tackles him anyways. Yeah. And then Washington doesn't get anything, but Peyton Henry was able to get the field goal. So I was almost envisioning the same scenario where if Washington doesn't get this, now all of a sudden Washington State can just kind of drive, drive, dink and dunk, whatever they need to do, and then they can kick a field goal at the end of the game and and at least, at the very least, 
force Washington to use the rest of their timeouts, which at that point I think they only mm-hmm. had one left anyway. Yeah. Well, a couple, so, well, a couple of things on that. First of all, um, uh, Kalen DeBoer said that's the first time they've run that play all year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Although he did say that some of the stuff that they had done during the game in terms of being in those particular formations and then shifting out of some of those things was pretty similar, not, maybe, not, not necessarily identical, but pretty similar to some of the things that they had done early. So it sounds like they felt really good about the potential setup. And then Dylan Johnson supposedly had an option to get it from Penix. But it looked I like, think he would have got a first down. Yeah, but it looks like look Penix like was – he was bent on getting that ball to Rome because yeah. – that thing looked – as soon as Rome got it, holy moly, it looked good. Well, you know, Mike, I asked Mike, you know, Michael was asked after the game what he saw on that because he did have the option to hand it off to Dylan. He said that uh, the guy on the end, yeah. defensive end or whoever lined up on the end, pinched in. It sounds like a pretty classic kind of zone read, like you're, you're reading the end to see if he wants to come in and take you or take the ball. But boy, how about the play before that on third and one, and they and they get stuffed. Yeah, I don't I don't really understand why they thought because they had some of those little mini pitches in there, just like they did at Oregon State. And I guess Oregon State, I think they had a little bit more joy in it because I think spreading them out was hurting Oregon State a little bit more at the line of scrimmage. But with these guys, and I think that's this is also a big reason why that fourth play, fourth down play worked, was because they were pursuing in numbers. To the sidelines, almost every play. And then on top of that, they were pretty much in almost full blitz mode Mm -hmm. the entire second half anyway. So they already had a bunch of numbers at the line of scrimmage to begin with. And then I think they were just basically, they were crashing on the run on almost every play. Yeah, no, and you you guys have a better view up here, but uh, I'm just not a fan of Dylan Johnson on a sweep and going wide. Well, not in, the, not in that situation for me. For me, I thought they were so much more uh, successful just going straight up the yeah. gut. And, and if, if, if for anything else, it's because he can churn with his legs and just push through for the extra yard. Even if he gets stuffed to the line of scrimmage, he's going forward. He's got his shoulders to the line of scrimmage, and he's going forward. If you're asking him to toss, now all of a sudden, most of that play, his shoulders are perpendicular to the, to the line of scrimmage. He has no leverage. He has no forward momentum. So, you know, I mean, six and one out does the other. And it's easy for us to talk about it in hindsight as, as plays where you're kind of wondering what they were thinking. And, you know, hopefully Monday we'll get a chance to really break it down with Ryan Grubb and, and, and get a feel for what he saw on those particular plays. But, again, I think a lot of these things were leading up to that fourth down play. And, holy moly, did he hit a home run with that. Because that was ballsy mm-hmm. upon ballsy, that call. Big balls. Yeah, I mean, even DeBoer said, you know, when it comes to, like, risks, that might be right up there as one of the most riskiest things we've done in a while. You're going to go 12-0. and You've got to take some risks sometimes. Sometimes, like I always say, it's better to be lucky than good. And if you caught them with their pants down, you were able to get a huge gain out of it and get to the point where you could really get on schedule with what you wanted to do and get downfield to kick a field goal, then that's perfect. But again, you get later in that series, guys, and you, DeBoer talked about it post game because he was asked. He said, "Did you feel, did you feel comfortable just kind of letting the play clock go and just and just milking it, milking it, and just lining it up for the kick? Because it looks like with the pass calls that you were you were really wanting to score." Yep. And he's like, "Anytime we can score, we're going to try to score." 
Ask but, Caleb. But Penix almost throws a pick exactly. on one of them. And then, and he, then gets he gets sacked. sacked and could have fumbled, didn't yeah. fumble, but yeah. could have. Yeah. Ask Kalen, you got, I'm sure you guys heard this, but I asked Kalen, you know, in his mind when he's calculating, you know, where did, where's the field goal line on that? And he said it was the 35, so that meant he was comfortable with Grady Gross. He was about 10, they were about 10 yards inside. Yeah. 52. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and I didn't see what happened on the uh, Penix sack, what happened on It was that. just, again, they were, they were, they, they were sold, they were selling they, out. They brought seven. Yeah. They were selling out all second yeah. half against the run. And that's why I think they're, they're, I think their theory on it was is that, look, Mike's slow right now. He's not thinking quickly. And if we can get him off like his first read, if we, like, we crash like the first read or something, he's not going to have enough time to find his secondary calls. And, and he's going to either have to throw it away or eat it. Yeah, you guys talk about the almost the inter- interception in the corner, but the other one that he threw before that in the end zone, I was going, where's he throwing to? No, I think oh, that's the what one we're talking that was about. down the middle. No, I'm talking about the one where know, the guy there was threw enough... it, he threw it to Rome, and the guy tipped it up in the air, and Rome basically tackled it. Right, but that one yeah. in the end zone could have been, you know, I'm just going. It could have, yeah. totally. I mean, yeah. you know, that was another bad throw. Yeah. No, again, it's just, it's it's where, again, I know Oregon fans probably have to live with this a little bit too because of their aggressiveness. You have to take the rough with the, rough with the smooth. And I think, like you asked Kalen DeBoer, Kim, about – what did he feel comfortable with? They already felt like they were well within range because Penix took a sack, and that still only took them back to the 25 and not the 35. Tell me what you saw on the sack. Just It was kitchen sink, like, yeah. we, like we just said. Tell me what you saw on the um, uh, roughing the passer. Uh, I saw a call that if it had gone the other way for Was- against Washington, people would have melted down, like I've said before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> I'm, I, it was against Wazoo, not Oregon. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, Grady Gross comes in, and uh, they call timeout to try to freeze him. In the NFL, you can't kick that, can you? I think it's a penalty if you kick it. It was a bang, it was a bang, bang deal. I don't know how you can tell him to not. Yeah, when they call the timeout, if you're in the NFL and you kick that, I think it's a penalty. If you're literally calling timeout right before the guy snaps it, what are you going to do? In the NFL, I don't think you can. Okay. I think they call a penalty on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, NFL's got some weird rules. So. <laughs> well, he drilled it anyways in just post-game. The field got sore. Again, I don't know if they still have that where if you storm the field, the school gets fined. Mm. Does anyone care at this point? <laughs> what I like, what I liked was is that I think it was either between the third and fourth quarters or sometime early in the fourth quarter when there was a break in the action that the public address announcer basically said, whatever happens, don't rush the field. What do you mean? For the safety of the teams we all and all that. Oh, we all and it's like, yeah, that's yeah, good one. I think that's well. We know we all know that's cover your cover your butt type stuff. That's they have to say that so they can't get sued. Well, the other thing that was kind of funny, they tried to rope off the W, dude. They won. <laughs> well, who's not going to plant the flag at the fifty yard line? You won, and they're trying to rope off the field. I thought it was. Was someone going to do something on the Cougar logo? Was that the problem? No, they were. They were. What's What's really funny w. about this is we're looking at all these right now. We're looking at these. These Apple Cup, the Boeing Apple Cup logos, right now, at least from my eye, you can't even really see the Washington logo. No. It's all just the Cougar logo on the right, and on the left, it looks like a silhouette of maybe a W, but it's not easy to see at all. Yeah. Offense needs to get fixed. Oregon game on Friday is going to be tough. And yeah. if, if we see the same kind of performance from the offense that we've seen lately, that's 
going to be a smoke show. Mm-hmm. I was, Definitely. I was, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they know what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I. It, yeah. It's kind of scary to think about this. So. Anyways, uh, let's wrap it up, guys. Chris Fetters, final thoughts. Again, um, not sure I would have ever seen another unbeaten team in my lifetime, regular season, 12-0. and um, It may have come in a way that, that really frustrates and annoys Washington fans to no end. But again, 12-0, and I'm not really sure at the end result – you got to look at that. You got to look at that big picture and go, "Oh, yeah, twelve and zero. That's not something we would have expected." And to do it in a way where they made history, Pac-12 history, in the final season of the conference, they're the only team that can say they did that. And I think that's a huge feather in the cap moving forward to the Big Ten. They come in with a ton of momentum. But again, with that Oregon game right on the horizon, um, I know this is a game nationally that everyone wants. But I think if you're a Washington fan and if you're a part of this Washington program, you're, I think part of you is sitting here going, okay, bring it on. And then the other part of you is like, well, we already did this. Why do we need to do it again? But this has kind of been a theme, I think, of this whole season, Kim, is that they've had to prove themselves over and over and over again. And they've found different ways to find the W to get to 12-0. and 0, And I can't... I can't see it other than being the kind of fitting way to end this because they're going to be asked to do something again that they've already done, and it seems like that's what's been asked of them all year long. Scott Eklund, wrap it up. Uh, can't really add much more. I mean, Washington is 12-0. and Enjoy it, Husky fans. I'm 52. This has happened one other time in my lifetime. It almost happened in, 20, uh, in 2000, but... In, in my lifetime, they've, they've never gone 12 and 0 except for 1991. So um, they they needed this, and uh, they figured out a way to do it. The, these guys are the cardiac kids. You know, call them what you want. They they figure out a way to win, and um, nothing seems to phase them. So um, enjoy it because you may not ever see anything like this again. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what Kalen DeBoer said. You know, people want to complain about what this team is not. Well. Enjoy what this team is. They're twelve and zero. They're doing a lot of things right, and you can't discount what they've done defensively in the fourth quarter, not giving up points. Again, in the last seven games, in the last seven games, they've only given up twenty-four fourth quarter points, and in the last four games, they've only given up ten points in the fourth quarter. And if you can do that, you're going to win football games. If they can do that against Oregon, <laughs> you know, just you know, limit them in the fourth quarter. They've got a good shot at winning, and that Oregon. Game is the biggest key is going to be limiting them then in the first quarter, though, <laughs> because yeah. Oregon gets out to those quick leads, and then it's, it, it, it seems like it's the same thing that we saw under Chip Kelly, because they get off to those quick, quick leads, and then you get out of your game because you feel like you got to play catch-up. Yeah, great season, 12-0. and 0. Um, Last game at Husky Stadium for a lot of the guys, so, um, you know, let's uh, – like I said, you know, fifteen seniors. It, it's hard for me to find fault when you're twelve and zero. I mean, there's things you can always do better, no matter what. And I was kind of joking with one of the guys earlier because people were complaining about the Wazoo logo that's um, on the field, you know. But it's been on the field for the Apple Cup for years. They yes. always do that, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like I said, you know, the more team wins, the more in the minutia that you know fans find mm-hmm. to pick apart because you got to find something. But uh, great win. 
Uh, great win. Just a reminder, basketball, uh, 7 o'clock tip-off on Tuesday against University of California, San Diego. And if any indication of what they did against San Diego State, if they can get the same performance here and keep on doing that, it's going to be a, a really fun year. So, Anyways, for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.